Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. This stunning display of God's glory and the appearance of an angel does what it does every time in the scripture, and it terrifies these shepherds. And that's why the first thing out of the mouth of the angel is, don't be afraid. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno with the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. I'm Mike Trout, and he's taking us through a number of messages dealing with the Advent, the announcement of Jesus Christ. And he's into the second chapter of the book of Luke. I'm sure most of you will hear the Christmas story from Luke sometime during this season, but you won't hear it the same way we're sharing it on Study Verse by Verse. Pastor Leighton takes us almost word by word through this very important period in history. If you've missed any of these broadcasts, you can listen to them again or download them at studyversebyverse.com. Pastor Layton is in the early verses of chapter 2, and we pick it up there. Verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The word here, firstborn, does not preclude that Joseph and Mary uh, had later children. Uh, there's another word for that. Uh, Monogamies, I think, is the way it's pronounced. Uh, it's the word that means only begotten. It's used to describe Jesus as the only begotten Son of God, uh, the only one. And uh, Luke did not choose to use that word here to describe uh, because he knew of the brothers and sisters or half-brothers and sisters that Jesus uh, had. Um, we know that uh, they're mentioned in Scripture uh, that James, the half-brother of Jesus, became the leader of the church in Jerusalem uh, and wrote the book of the New Testament that bears his name, that Jude also was the half-brother of Jesus, and he wrote the uh, New Testament uh, book that uh, bears his name, that uh, according to church tradition, the brothers did not uh, accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah until after the, uh, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew one twenty five strongly implies that Joseph and Mary had a normal marriage after Jesus' birth. Now, there are some other reasons why Luke would have included this reference to being firstborn. First off, it would have underscored the fact of Mary's claim to being a virgin when the, the child was conceived. And then also, it would communicate to this child as the firstborn that they, that, that child had an inheritance. And that inheritance would have been the throne of King David. And remember in the Old Testament, King David was promised that one of his descendants would be king on, the, on that throne, on his throne uh, forever. And we know that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of that Old Testament prophecy. Swaddling clothes were used to keep the child warm. He was laid in a manger, which is an animal's feeding trough, it's this reference to the manger that is the basis of the belief that Jesus was born in a stable. In fact, it was only about 300 years after Christ that the first emperor, the first Christian emperor named Constantine, 
at the urging of his mother, Helena, sent, sent his mom over to the Holy Land to identify sites, holy sites. And um, she, when she came to, to this place, uh, she was able to identify the descendants of people who were there when Jesus was born. And they had passed from generation to generation. That's the place. That's the exact place. Now, we have a tendency today of sending really pretty Christmas cards to each other, and that's a good thing. But in reality, the first Christmas was not pretty. It was dirty, and it was dark. Um, A manger is not a particularly hygienic place for a child to be laid. And what it communicates is that this child was uh, pointed to poverty and obscurity and even rejection, that Luke was pointing out that this king of kings was born into humble circumstances. He's born to serve. Verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And if somebody asks you, what is Christmas all about? This is a great place to come because it describes it, what Christmas is all about so succinctly. Now, in his introduction of the shepherds and the angelic message, he shares elements that uh, were found in the previous chapter in the announcement uh, of, of an angel, the reaction of fear, the announcement of the birth, and a sign. So the description is that these shepherds are out under the dark night sky, keeping watch over their flock by night. So you can see that they're, they're trying to stay awake and alert. They're, they're, they're wanting to make sure that the sheep are safe from any predatory animals. So they're probably walking around. And suddenly, the, uh, the, the sky is filled with this brilliant light that is reminiscent of what Isaiah wrote in chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And so this stunning display of God's glory and the appearance of an angel does what it does every time in the Scripture, and it terrifies these shepherds. And that's why the first thing out of the mouth of the angel is, don't be afraid. It's the first thing out of the angel's mouth every time. Uh, that angels uh, come to meet with people. Don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy for all people. Good tidings is also translated good news. It, uh, the word gospel means good news. So when we talk about the gospel of Christ, we're talking about the good news of Christ. The good news uh, was used as a title uh, to encompass the message of what God has done for us through Christ uh, throughout the book of Acts which is the book that uh, the next book that, that Luke wrote. And so what he's saying is this is good news. And then he describes what that good news is. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord is found only here in Scripture. Uh, Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah, which means anointed. And to be anointed means to be set apart for some special purpose, such as Moses, who anointed Aaron and his sons as the first priests of Israel, and the prophet Samuel, who anointed both Saul and David as kings of Israel. And throughout the Old Testament, the title was applied to that one who God was going to anoint to be the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. 
I, I want to make sure that this is not lost upon us because Jesus is described by the angel as being Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. The Lord is a reference to Christ's deity. He is God incarnate. He is God, incarnate means in the flesh. He is God in the flesh. He is God in human form. The angel wanted to make sure there was no doubt about the identity of this child. And then another title is used of, of speaking of Jesus, and that is Savior. And it, it, it elicits all of those Old Testament references about God being our salvation. And, and uh, again, it was a contrast to the earthly Caesars, because uh, when Augustus was, uh, he would have called himself a savior, and he was looked upon as being a savior, and he was called a savior because uh, people looked at the emperor as saving them from uh, wars and famines and, and, and so on and so forth. But he isn't the real savior. Jesus Christ is the real savior. And, and this is told to shepherds. Now, it's remarkable because shepherds in the social strata of that time, they were near the lowest of the low. And, uh, and, and there were a number of reasons for that. The nature of their work didn't allow them to keep themselves ceremonially clean, so they couldn't go uh, into the temple and worship. Um, furthermore, they had a reputation of being liars and thieves, and the reputation was so profound that we understand that they, their testimony wasn't even allowed in courts because it assumed that they weren't going to be telling the truth. Uh, and they, they were the, the outcasts of their society, and yet God sent his angel to make the announcement of salvation to the outcasts, to the outcasts. Now, there's also a, another possibility here, and that is that these may have been very special shepherds. And the reason I say that is that Bethlehem, as I noted earlier, is only six miles from Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem is the temple. And in the temple, there are daily sacrifices that require lamb, lambs. And uh, those lambs, according to the, the requirements, have to be without blemish. And so what they would do is they would keep a special flocks of lamb in the pasture, and they would keep those special flocks near Bethlehem. The lambs that were destined for sacrifice were kept in pastures near Bethlehem. It's very possible that the shepherds that this announcement was made to were those shepherds, which is really remarkable because those shepherds were the first to see the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of us all, the sin of the world. Luke gave this story about shepherds for a reason, that Jesus was coming not for the proud and powerful, but for the outcasts, the humble, those that are low on the lists of social, that his salvation is for everyone, for all of us. Verse 12, and this will be a sign for you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This will be a sign you. Now, the purpose of a sign is to point the way towards a destination and identify the destination when you get there. The shepherds didn't ask for a sign like Zechariah did, but the angel expected these shepherds to go looking for this child, 
In fact, the way it's phrased, it's basically an invitation from the angel. Why don't you go and see for yourself? And uh, you shall find is in the future tense, so it takes for granted that the shepherds are going to go looking, and it also assures them that they will find the child. And the reason that the angel gives this sign and describes the child is because with all of the descriptions he's given thus far, God incarnate, uh, the promised Messiah, the, and so forth, there would be an expectation you would find this child in a palace or a home of some wealthy or powerful person. You wouldn't find this child in a manger. And so the angel wanted to make sure that they were looking in the right place and they would know the child when they found him. Now, be honest with me. Were you really aware of just how important the role of the shepherds was in this announcement of Jesus Christ coming to earth? Well, we're going to hear more. I certainly wasn't, and I look forward to hearing the last section of this message on tomorrow's broadcast. I sure hope you can be with us. If you've missed any of the programs, you can find them on our website, studyversebyverse.com. You can also contribute to the ministry there safely. That's studyversebyverse.com. And, of course, information about Church of the Highlands is on the web at highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Join us tomorrow when, once again, Pastor Layton will open up to the book of Luke and we'll study verse by verse.